0: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
1: What happens if you're running an arts institution and suddenly one of your most generous donors is in the news for all the wrong reasons? Purdue Pharma and the family behind it, the Sacklers, have been sued over a thousand times for falsely marketing their super opioid to maximize their profits.
2: The family has been accused of profiting from its highly addictive painkiller and the opioid crisis. Last week, a federal judge overturned a $4.5 billion settlement that had been reached between the company, the Sacklers, and local governments.
1: Over the last decade, The Sackler family have donated over £160 million to the arts and sciences in the UK alone. But now, their association with America's opioid addiction epidemic is forcing many institutions to rethink their relationship. For decades, the Sackler name was a fixture at the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City. In 2019, the Met announced it would no longer accept
3: gifts from the family. Once people started to realise that these drugs were incredibly addictive, people were dying, um, turning to street drugs as well, there was a sort of a, a growing movement against them.
1: So how has one family bought its way into so many British institutions? And now that their money looks tainted, should their donations be returned? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, cutting ties, the British institutions with Sackler Family Money.
4: Even if you've never heard of the Sacklers, you'll have probably seen their name if you've been to any of the biggest and most prestigious arts, cultural or educational institutions in this country.
1: That's Liam Kelly, the Sunday Times arts and entertainment correspondent.
4: They were some of the biggest philanthropists of the last 30 years, have given hundreds of millions of pounds. In exchange they quite often insisted on naming rights. So the British Museum has the Raymond and Beverly Sackler Galleries, which are home to Mesopotamian artifacts. The National Gallery has the Sackler Room, which is home to paintings by turner and constable it was also the scene of a meeting between daniel craig and ben wishaw in the 2012 film skyfall oxford university has the sackler library at the bodleian kew gardens has the sackler crossing which is a bridge over a lake and they would really name anything the Tate modern after that opened has the sackler escalators
1: wow even escalators i mean all of these places those are sort of Prime arts and cultural real estate, really.
4: Yeah, and they pull in millions of tourists each year. The name is everywhere.
1: For the past few weeks, Liam's been investigating the influence of the Sackler family through their donations in the UK. He teamed up with a senior business reporter for the Sunday Times, Sabar Meddings.
3: I think over the past few years, the scale of the opioid crisis in America has really been brought to the public mind. There's a Disney Plus drama you might have seen called Dope Sick, starring Michael Keaton, a really distressing drama about a doctor who becomes addicted to OxyContin, which is a drug manufactured by a company called Purdue Pharma. You might not have heard of Purdue Pharma in the UK, but in America really since the 1950s they've been one of the largest drug companies there and their main drug was OxyContin which is a highly addictive opioid painkiller prescribed to millions of people for long-term use so usually with opioids such as morphine they might be used in hospitals or for palliative care whereas OxyContin doctors were encouraged to prescribe it for moderate pain so it might be a back injury or after an operation and the problem was it was actually incredibly addictive and lots of people became addicted to this drug and went on to take other illegal drugs such as heroin or fentanyl. And what's happened is more than 500,000 people have actually died as a result of opioid-related deaths. There's obviously been a huge backlash against Purdue and the Sackler family, which were its only shareholders. A judge in New York in December ruled that the family could actually now be personally pursued as a result of the epidemic. And Sabah, who are the Sacklers? There were three brothers, Mortimer, Arthur and Raymond, who grew up in New York. Two of the younger brothers, Mortimer and Raymond, actually travelled to the UK to study in Glasgow University. They studied medicine there. And then they went on to have careers. They worked in hospitals and then went on into medical sales. And then in 1952... Raymond and Mortimer bought a company called Purdue Pharma. Purdue was actually founded in 1892, but it became part of the Sackler business in 1952. Later on, they launched a drug called OxyContin, which we've spoken about earlier. Mortimer, thanks to his time studying in Glasgow, has sort of quite a strong link to the UK. He actually moved here in the 1970s and then married a woman called Theresa Sackler in the early 1980s and became kind of quite established. Philanthropist became sort of seen on the party circuit. Princess Margaret opened two galleries at the British Museum named after Raymond and Beverly Sackler. Three years later, Princess Diana attended a gala dinner at the Serpentine Gallery. Very well connected. They were incredibly well connected. If you sort of a quick search on Google, throws up lots of pictures of Theresa, in particular sort of attending various events. So that's really their link to the UK. And how do they donate money in this country? So they have three trusts. There's the Sackler Trust, which has given away the most money. There's the Dr Mortimer and Theresa Sackler Foundation and then the Raymond and Beverly Sackler Foundation. Together they've all donated $168.5 million to causes since 2009. And Liam, who has this money gone to?
4: It's not just museums and galleries. In the last number of years, they've donated to everything from Bletchley Park, where the Enigma codebreakers were during the Second World War, to cancer researchers, Francis Crick Institute, the National Maritime Museum, Shakespeare's Globe on the south bank of the Thames, colleges at Oxford University, art galleries at Cambridge, The Dulwich Picture Gallery, which is quite a small gallery in South London, the director there is called the Sackler Director because the family have (laughs) given so much money over the years. They gave £8 million in 2012 to the V&A in South Kensington when they were doing some renovation works. And the Sackler Courtyard opened five years ago in 2017. Wow.
1: And their name is all over it?
4: All over it. And... A lot of places as well have been receiving their money, like Bletchley Park, without having the name on it as well.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Despite the photographs of Theresa Sackler, they do seem to be quite private as a family. Do we know what they're like to deal with?
4: They're fiercely private and hardly ever give interviews, any members of the Sacklers. And that stretches back to Arthur, the eldest brother, as well as Mortimer and Raymond, not wanting to engage with the press at all, really. We've spoken to dozens of people who have dealt with them in the arts and educational worlds. Teresa drove a lot of the giving in the UK, and the word that came up the most was charming. people were utterly captivated by her. She was quite low key. She was very engaged. She's genuinely passionate, especially about the arts. She was a trustee at the V&A for a number of years until 2019. But even in board meetings, sources we've spoken to have said that she didn't really talk that much.
1: I mean that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Because so much of this in many ways sounds quite laudable. You know, they are giving away their money. If you try not to think about briefly about where the money has come from, you know, they are big philanthropists, they're giving it away to organizations that need money. What are they getting from it?
4: Partly it's prestige. If you're spending millions of pounds to help something like the V and A build a large new building or what have you, you get your name in lights and the idea is you have it there forever it's a legacy that your family has created and should stand the test of time.
3: Raymond and Mortimer Sackler both received honorary knighthoods Teresa was made a dame they all received honorary degrees Mortimer's received one from the university in Glasgow in 2001 for his support to the university and that the praise of them then was incredible I mean the, the university still holds a glowing uh, obituary of him on its website.
1: But not everyone looks at the donations as gifts.
3: I think there's another way that we should look at these donations as well. I think it's easy to forget that this money actually became from selling pharmaceutical drugs and a lot of it in recent years from opioids. I spoke to a professor who'd been studying the opioid crisis for 25 years, Professor Keith Humphreys at Stanford University, and he said the mistake was that people looked at these Sackler donations as gifts when in fact they were purchases. They purchased credibility.
5: They're often described as gifts when someone gives money, say, to the V&A or something like that. But a gift is not given with expectation of return, and the Sackler philanthropy really has been given that way. So they are notorious for making sure their name is prominently displayed um, over any, even the smallest gift that they make, again, just their name, not the way they made their money. and. The kind of giving they did, which is sort of upper-class giving, that brings you in touch with a lot of other powerful and useful people. When you get known as someone who writes big checks at those kinds of venues, you then find yourself mingling with mayors and you know sometimes members of Congress or members of Parliament, regulators, leading journalists who can help shape a narrative.
2: And
1: Sabah, we've seen the name on these institutions, on galleries for years. When did
3: public opinion start to turn against the Sacklers. I think once America saw the damage occurring from the opioid crisis, once people started to realise that these drugs were incredibly addictive, people were dying, um, turning to street drugs as well, there was a sort of a, a growing movement against them. There were court cases in America targeted specifically at um, Purdue Pharma and then gradually it's sort of become more clear what exactly went on there's been release of documents sort of showing emails and and messages suggesting that people knew about the addictive quality of these drugs earlier if you've seen Dope Sick or if you've read Empire of Pain. That's the book by the journalist Patrick raden Keith, who's talked to us about the Sacklers on the podcast before. You'll have seen how they sort of were incredibly aggressive about the marketing of these drugs, encouraging people to take higher doses, encouraging doctors to prescribe the drugs to people with moderate pain rather than severe pain or end of life care.
1: You can see why there would be a huge public backlash. When did that start to hit the museums and the art galleries and the institutions they'd supported?
4: The tide in this country really started to turn in 2019. Nan Golden, an artist and photographer, based in New York, was prescribed OxyContin herself after sustaining a wrist injury. She became addicted. It was a terrible experience for her. And she started protesting.
1: This is Nan, outside the Metropolitan Museum in New York, during a protest in 2018.
5: They need to fund treatment. Thousands are dying every day. 130 people dying in this country. They gave them again and again. The more pain people were in, when they said they didn't work, they gave them more. So now they're responsible for all these deaths and responsible to get the addicts, to help the addicts get off medication.
4: It all really started to take off when she threatened to boycott a retrospective of her own work at the National Portrait Gallery, just off Trafalgar Square, because the Sackler family had pledged a million pounds as a donation to the gallery.
1: What did the National Portrait Gallery do?
4: It turned down the money. It turned down the Sackler's money. Well. And it was the first big institution in this country to do so. The Chem had a cup of tea with Teresa Sackler to tell her that they wouldn't be accepting the money.
1: For the Sacklers, I mean, that must have been a big moment because this is the world they've courted for decades now. It's the artists and the cultural figures that they sort of wanted to get on side and to have them as a community turning on them must have been quite something. I mean, tell me, is it something more artists are doing? What are you hearing?
4: I mean, it must have been a real wrench for them. Hmm. The National Portrait Gallery said it would turn down the money in March 2019. Two days later, the tape Group followed as well, which had been big recipients of Sackler cash. And in 2019, the Sackler Trust itself said that it was going to stop making grants because it was a distraction.
1: That's an admission. They realised they were having a negative impact on places they were giving money to.
4: Exactly. And Nan Goldin didn't stop with the National Portrait Gallery in the Tate last year in November she organized a letter to the trustees of the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York which had seven Sackler wings or galleries wow the relationship with the family went back five or six decades and 70 really high profile artists like Tassisa Dean Ai Weiwei Anish Kapoor all signed that letter urging the trustees of the Metropolitan Museum to remove the Sackler name from its walls and in December last year the museum in agreement with the family announced with the family that they would do so which was a big moment.
1: Amazing that the family and the museum agreed to take the name down.
4: Yeah it was very carefully choreographed and stage managed um, the director at the Met's said some very warm words about the Sackler family. It's been suggested to me by multiple sources in the arts world that this was done as a sort of graceful way for the Sacklers to have their name removed from the Metropolitan Museum. Because in Patrick Keefe's book, Arthur Sackler says, if you're putting your name on walls, that's not philanthropy, that's a business deal all of these things are governed by contracts.
1: Well, that was sort of admitted.
4: Not publicly, but all of these philanthropic gestures, especially where naming rights were involved, were governed by contracts. And museums and galleries, universities, other institutions, they really don't want to be sued by the Sacklers for breaching contract. Mm. And the pressure's going to keep building. I mean, Anish Kapoor told us for this piece that because of... Government cuts to the arts world that museums, theatres and orchestras have little choice but to be money launderers for big business and has urged British institutions to follow the lead of the Met in New York and taking the Sackler name off their walls.
1: And is that going to happen? You know, clearly there was a graceful deal negotiated with the Met, but are the institutions here, are the galleries and the museums and all the places you've named, are they thinking of doing the same?
4: Some of them are quite resistant. Even now, even with all that is known about the Sacklers, Purdue Farmer and OxyContin. Really? Yeah. In 2019, after the Nan Golding protests, after the National Portrait Gallery in the Tate, news had broken, Tristram Hunt, the director of the V&A and Ooh. the former Labour MP, said that yeah, his museum was proud to have taken money from the Sackler family. Proud? Uh, that, proud.
1: Wow. How did he justify that?
4: The justification, I think, is the money's been put to good use. That's what a lot of these institutions say. They are able to do things that they wouldn't have otherwise been able to do, provide access to people who would not have been able to see these treasures otherwise.
1: The chairman of the v told the Sunday Times the museum had no intention of removing the Sackler name, as we don't think, at the moment, there's much pressure to do so, adding... We're very grateful to Teresa for her service on the board and for making it possible for so many children and young people to be able to use the education centre. So, it's a mixed picture, and some institutions are also worried about how the backlash against the Sacklers might affect donations from other sources in the future. We'll have more on that in a moment, but first, a word from a colleague.
6: I'm James Marriott, a columnist, book reviewer and podcast reviewer for The Times. It's my job to explain and contextualise our turbulent social and cultural landscape in a way that's as interesting, informative and as original as possible. I can only do this thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. Subscribe today by visiting thetimes.co.uk forward slash times
1: As museums and galleries, one by one, announce they will no longer accept donations from the Sackler Foundations, many in the arts and sciences in the UK will be wondering how to make up for the financial blow. For years now, they've depended on the family's largesse.
4: They were the go-to philanthropists in this country for a long time. If you had a building you wanted to fund, if you were renovating something... They were pretty high up the list of people who, you know, you would seek to get money from.
6: Any conversation you'd have about donors, you'd always include the Arts Council, you'd always include the National Lottery. And at the time, I think you'd nearly always include the Sackler Foundation.
1: You spoke to Roger Parry, for example. I mean, tell me about his experience.
3: Roger Parry was the chairman of Shakespeare's Globe Theatre on the south bank of the Thames. In 2006, they wanted to build a new education centre with the aim of expanding access to Shakespeare to children which might not otherwise be able to experience Shakespeare. So they they wanted to raise some money. They prepared this fundraising pack, they sent it to donors, and um, the Sacklers came back. He described them as incredibly professional. Teresa turned up with two of her children. She was incredibly charming.
6: They were really extraordinarily engaged with the project. They had done a lot of research. They knew what we were trying to achieve. And of course, it was quite rare to meet the actual individuals who were controlling the money because, in, in a lot of the big trusts, it was really quite bureaucratic. You were dealing with layers of, of paid management. But here, you know, we actually got to meet the people who I, I guess were the ultimate decision makers.
3: He described them as a model donor. At the time, there wasn't any kind of controversy surrounding the Sackler money as, as he describes it. You would do inquiries, whether it be HMRC or into government, were there any sort of problems with a potential donor? He just said there was not a centre of controversy, that he was happy and pleased to accept the money. And Prince Philip opened the centre a couple of years later and it was celebrated. He did say that if he had to make a similar decision now, it might have been a difficult debate among the board of the Globe.
6: I think trustees now would definitely look at any major donation in the context of how it was likely to be received by the general public, not simply how it would be likely to be received by regulators or authorities.
1: Did he think they would?
3: He didn't go that far.
6: (laughs) The difference now with this particular organisation, obviously, is a lot more has come out about the provenance of that money, which makes it more controversial. What I do think is that charities now have to recognise that there's a broad court of public opinion Which is a much more uh, difficult set of criteria.
1: The Globe has now cut ties with a family and said the Sackler name will be removed by no later than 2025.
3: It is difficult for individuals who have taken and enjoyed the largesse of the Sacklers to sort of perform a U turn now. I think what we are sort of seeing is institutions quietly cutting ties with the Sackler name without making a song or dance about it. Sussex University, which received £2.5 million from the family for a research centre, is now renaming it because it's no longer receiving any new money from the Sacklers. Imperial College London accepted £2.5 million from the Sacklers for a new research centre in 2017 at White City, a new centre there. At the time, in 2018, they announced it. They said the laboratory would be renamed the Sackler Laboratory. But if you go and look on the website now, actually... There's no no mention of the Sackler anywhere. There's no sort of thanks on the website to the Sacklers. If you speak to the university, they will just say that we've got sort of robust measures in place which assess any potential donor. But there's been no announcement to say that they haven't taken this money. So one can only assume that they did, but they've quietly dropped the name. They've dropped the name. And why? Why has it not been announced? Why have they chosen to drop the name? So it's quite curious so there's a real sort of varying a range of the way people are approaching the Sackler name, but there is a large sort of public display of ripping the name down. Most of the time it's sort of, if you put in an inquiry and find out what happened, they will admit that, you know, we are renaming it, we we've took the name down, but they are not feeling inclined to put out press releases about these types of things. That's so interesting. It's being very discreetly done. And Liam, you mentioned that
1: for Arthur Sackler, these Philanthropic ventures were seen very much as a business deal. Everything had a contract around it. So how is that playing out now? Are institutions worried about that?
4: Some of them are caught between a rock and a hard place, in a sense. A lot of trustees of institutions are eager to take the Sackler name off things that they have sponsored. Kettles Yard, a Cambridge University gallery that's about to host Ai Weiwei's exhibition, quietly renamed its gallery in July last year.
1: Another institution that's recently removed the Sackler name is the Tate Modern, where the sign by the famed Sackler Escalator was removed last week, while Kew Gardens will be renaming their award-winning Sackler Bridge the Lake Crossing. But what effect does taking down the Sackler name have on other potential donors?
4: Other donors is a really interesting point, Um, especially after the pandemic, museums, galleries especially, really need cash from wealthy, you know, artistically minded people. It could have a chilling effect, this sort of thing. you know. I spoke to one donor who's given tens of millions over the years, who said that he'd be mighty pissed off if he'd agreed a deal whereby his name would be on the building that he's sponsored. And then mm. the institution decided to take it off because something later came to light. The whole point of a lot of these donors, especially where naming rights are involved, is about legacy. It's about having something that outlives you and your businesses. And the other thing is a lot of donors will not want their private lives, their business interests, raked over in public and think that that will have an impact on their philanthropic giving. Trustees at various institutions have had some other donors, not Sackler's, come to them and say, if an institution can turn down Sackler money, you probably don't need money then. You don't need mine if you can turn away their money. Really? Yeah.
1: I can imagine for institutions, you mentioned how hard it is with public funding now. There are government cuts all over the place and for a lot of arts institutions and cultural institutions and scientific ones too, they do rely on donor money. Is there a danger though that If they do see donors who are trying to walk away because they see what's happened to the Sacklers, then is there a possibility that perhaps those donors have things to hide too? Could this be a moment where actually you you start to filter out the slightly more dubious names?
4: The argument that you you could make, I suppose, is can money that's been generated in a bad way be put to good use? It's of a piece with a lot of the fossil fuel companies. BP and Shell used to sponsor things like the Royal Shakespeare Company. That has stopped. So arts institutions will be worried. You know, instead of giving 10 million to support the refurbishment of a gallery or the building of a courtyard or what have you, billionaire, multimillionaire decide, well, why bother, I'll just buy another super yacht.
1: Yeah. And are these institutions the ones who are sort of taking the name off, are they also having to return the money or do they get to keep the money and just sort of try to slightly erase where it's come from?
4: Not as far as we know, though a lot of institutions are doing this very quietly, will not even give briefings about why or how these things are happening.
3: What they are saying is that they won't accept any... New donations, which is the reason that Sussex University used for renaming its centre there because it was no longer receiving any new funding. So plenty of organisations are happy to say that they won't be receiving any new donations, even if they won't say it on the record, they might tell us on background confirming that they wouldn't consider accepting any more
5: Purdue Pharma, the company that made billions selling the prescription painkiller OxyContin, has
3: filed for bankruptcy. The move comes just days after. It's worth noting as well that Purdue filed for bankruptcy in 2019, after the hundreds of lawsuits were launched in America by states, hospitals, individuals. The family agreed to contribute 4.5 billion dollars to addiction programs, and the company's assets were to be used to develop treatments for opioid abuse. In exchange individual family members would be immune from prosecution. However, a judge in December overturned that judgment, which meant the family could be held personally liable. And And this week, the reports that they are close to a settlement, which would mean the family would donate more, they would increase the sum they would be willing to give over in exchange again to be immune from prosecution. So we don't yet know what the final settlement is going to be, but that's ongoing in America. We should say
1: that in response to the claims about them, the Sackler family have always denied any wrongdoing.
3: And I think it's important to also say that although the Sacklers started out with three brothers, as I've said, Arthur, Mortimer and Raymond, Arthur's side of the family actually cut ties with Purdue Pharma, specifically before OxyContin was launched. As a result, their donations are not regarded as tainted
1: by the drug scandal – and there hasn't been any kind of clamor to remove Arthur's name from British institutions. And Sabah, for the victims, who, you know, people who've suffered from OxyContin and the addiction it causes, how do they feel about these institutions that still have the Sackler name?
3: Keith Humphreys, the professor from Stanford University, described it. As a way, if you are a victim of opioids, if you've lost someone, if you've suffered yourself, if you're an addict and you walk into an institution and there's a Sackler name proudly displayed on the wall or the university still has a Sackler library, it's really painful for them.
5: You walk into a building and you see their name celebrated, that's painful and feels dismissive. You know, it's like, why are we honoring these people who did so much damage to me or did so much damage to my family?
3: He said that the removal of the Sackler name matters today more than ever.
5: In the groups I talked to, and I talked to a lot of people who have experienced addiction, there was jubilation when uh, museums started to remove the Sackler name.
3: He said victims felt that finally they would be taken seriously.
1: You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, Sunday Times senior business reporter, Sabar Meddings, and arts and entertainment correspondent for The Sunday Times, Liam Kelly. You can read their reporting on the Sackler family and their donations at thetimes.co.uk with a subscription. The producer today was Edward Drummond. The executive producer is Kate Ford, and sound design was by David Crackles. If you'd like to get in touch with us with any ideas for future episodes or any thoughts on what you've just heard, then do drop us a line to storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.